0: This episode of Echoes in the Bones is brought to you by the Institute of Cultural Policy and Innovation, ICPI. ICPI, providing services in business development and coaching. ICPI, leaders in online training in event planning and intellectual property. Visit our website today at www.icpi-ja.com. because a couple of people have internet radio stations. I have our internet radio station. Squeeze has our internet radio station. Patrick Lafayette have our internet radio station.
1: Yeah.
0: And so there, there is there is a future for radio broadcasting, terrestrial and online. But I think most of the people, certainly for me, why I decided to do a, a radio station is to offer a presentation that I felt was lacking mm-hmm. on regular radio and even on internet radio. And you having the autonomy to present what you figure there's a market for and an audience for is 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 empowering. It's a very empowering. You know? And, and and the thing is and when you get the feedback and Mm -hmm. when you get the response Mm -hmm. it's even more amazing because I don't have to as a station owner, I don't have to ask anybody to be on the station I get requests from all over the world Mm -hmm. on my station we have people from Cyprus, South Africa Australia Cayman, the UK the United States all over the place you know and and I get requests all the time. Uh, and New York, have I have yeah. the, the Rough Rider show on my on my platform, and I never had to solicit anybody to mm-hmm, be on the station. Mm-hmm, People mm-hmm. find the station like what's happening, mm-hmm. and 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 they want to get on. Yeah, you're
2: building a community. You know? You're building a sense of community around it. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: you know, yeah. and and the, oh, we get we get a lot of audience feedback and all of that. Mm-hmm. So. We know that that there's an audience for it. And when you look at the analytics in terms of, I get, I remember during the pandemic when I just started this, we had listenership, like a thousand listeners in a day from Italy, a thousand listeners from Spain. And I was wondering what the hell was going on? In my in from the analytics that I have, I'm, and I'm not getting all of the analytics because it's not all of the platforms provide with analytics, yeah. So I'm just getting it from about three, I'm on about 30 platforms. Yes. And and I, I, most recently, I'm seeing numbers from Finland, mm-hmm. South Africa. My top three on a consistent basis would be. The United States, UK, Canada, and then it fluctuates between European countries and African countries. Mm-hmm. But I'm, um, I'm, my my station is is being, people are tuning in from 130 countries, 160 countries. That's amazing. I've I've heard, I've seen in my analytics, country that I never knew existed. Didn't know it was a country. I'm literally, <sighs> you know, and I'm a fairly... Yeah, informed person.
2: person, well
0: informed person, and I'm saying, "What? Where? Where's this?" <laughs> you know. So the, yeah. the, the, this is a kind it 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 augurs well for content creators mm-hmm. and, and and music. You're making me want to do it, man. Yeah, you should. You know, uh, it, it, and and so I I see a a future for it.
2: How big it's going to be is is another matter.
1: Mm-hmm. You
2: know. Well, if there's anything about the, like the kind of a take a broad view of all of this, it's important to be an early adopter of a technology yeah and and that takes a certain mindset and open-mindedness and, and willingness to willingness to maybe to fail, willingness to waste time or seem like you're wasting time just to not knowing what, what something's going to amount to. but man, the payoff for being an early adopter, can you imagine? Being one of those people who was the first to do reggae playlists on Spotify as a third-party playlister, and now you've got eighty or a hundred thousand followers—that's that's powerful. Those people are more powerful than than most of the the surviving reggae DJs. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. um, from the old school. So, yeah, there's there's just there are so many aspects of all of this music marketing. And I, I don't know what the I don't know what the magic bullet is because I don't really think that there is one. I've seen things succeed that I never thought would succeed. And I've th- seen things fail that I was sure were works of genius. And it just c- it continues like that. Um, but you also have to if you're in this, you have to you have to like check your own ego a little bit. And, 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 and know that what you think is great is really what you like or love. And just like maybe frame it in those terms. Like mm-hmm. this is not the greatest artist ever. This is my favorite artist ever. And trying to talk about, talk in overly objective terms is it, you're throwing your own ego into it in a way that can be kind of defeating from having a truly broad perspective as a music marketer, I think. Because you have to understand going back again, not everyone like listens to music the same way Carter Van Pelt or Dennis Howard do. Mm-hmm. You and I have a feeling have a have a pretty substantial overlap in the way that we we process this stuff, but not a hundred percent. And it's not that one of us is more right than the other, one of us has better taste than the other. It's just we bring different different array of life experiences mm-hmm. and everything that we are into the into the, the the room where the music's playing. It's gonna hit us each differently. You called out the name of a song by a very well known Jamaican artist a little while ago and you were sure that it was it was really good and I was like, man, oh, that that song was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And we yeah. shall not name yeah. names. Yeah. yeah. But um no, I mean that's yeah. kind of the beauty of, that's kind of the beauty yeah. of it too is that it gives us we each we each can our own taste is a very personal thing. Yeah. and it's a very it's a very wonderful part of being human
0: is that yeah, you just yeah. kind of
2: you navigate your own way through all of this and you form your own hit parade and sometimes you get to share it with people and you can when you connect over it that's a great feeling yeah and again that yeah. feeling of community and connection that's a that's a key part of music so one of the
0: things we have been coming also is sound system culture
2: okay you're going to talk so, about that yeah great. of
0: course um mm-hmm. uh, so as i I I've grew up I, I i grew up in sound system culture and um i'm owner of a sound system which my father and, and another partner started, Shanghai mm-hmm. Solophonic. So it's been a part of my life from day one. Now, you do, uh, it's, it's it's almost world famous now, uh, promotion in the summer yeah, which I'm looking forward to coming to this summer because I really had a good time the last time. It's reggae, on the, on the boardwalk yeah
2: Coney Island reggae on the boardwalk and it's got it it's it's kind of like it's it's morphing because it's not just Coney Island reggae on the boardwalk it's also a thing called reggae under the bridge and I've also done an event called brata in the Bronx but what do they all have in common is that it's it's the original Jamaican sound system model kind of the old hits model with vi- from vinyl culture. Um, presented outdoors free to the public. And I did not do that by any design of, if I, if I do, if I create this thing, it's going to, it's going to be a global phenomenon. People are going to come from all over and it's going to be what it is. I just wanted to play music outside at Coney Island. I was like the boardwalk. What a great environment. Like, who are these DJs? They're playing house music and salsa under these little pavilions. I used to go out there all the time in the summer. And I was like, I want to, I want a part of this. So I just decided to try and set up and get a permit and set up a sound out there. And man, from the first time I did it in 2010, I could see like the crowd pulled in. There were maybe 50 people who were followers of my radio program on K- WKCR mm-hmm. and the rest of the crowd started to just come naturally because it was public and free. And, and it has gone now for this, this year is 13 years since we started. I've done it at least three, if not four times every summer. And it's just grown organically into something where even, you know, even up to yesterday, there was a a sound man here who was just kind of quizzing me about who I am and what I was doing here and about sound system and stuff. And I said, have you ever heard of Coney Island reggae on the boardwalk? He was like, I'm going to watch you all the while. (laughs) didn't know that was you, you know? And, and that, that feeling, um, that's a great validation for me as an individual to have, Created something and then realizing that it has that kind of impact and it's kind of just a function of the the era that we're in where we recorded on YouTube or recorded and then posted on YouTube and people can see it from anywhere. But that was very secondary to me to just having it be an experience for a community in person. So tell, yeah. us some, some, yeah. tell us some
0: of the, the, the sound system, because so, sound system culture is alive and well in New York. So mm. tell us some of the sound system well, over the years that have that graced. So the, 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 I'll, I'll
2: frame it two ways. The, Konya, the like. actual the actual physical sound, mm-hmm. the rig, the gear, the the amps, the speaker boxes, is, it has been provided by Chanter, the Timeless Sound, who is a Jamaican from Hanover, who's lived in New York for 40-odd years and runs sound, all the way through um, not a well-known sound in New York, but just somebody who has been a part of the of the the life of, of Brooklyn, the musical life of Brooklyn. I met him through Sir Tommy, who is a, a, a Jamaican based in New York and a, and a producer and a longtime sound man who used to have these all Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, like Memorial Day, Labor Day, Fourth of July, three-day weekend, these overnight parties at his place. And it was where all the, the the veteran old hits guys would go with their records and play round robin style. You know, each, each one would take a, a rotation. So that's where I met people like Ja Wise. Um, There's so many people used to pass through that party. I digress, but I'm just saying that the the, the meeting of Chanter came through Sir Tommy, who's a big part of, of my event early on. And before him, I used to... Um, get a rig from um, 742 sound in Brooklyn. I don't have my own like sound that's of that size. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not there. I can do a, I can have a PA that can do events, but I can't do, I I do not have like 18 inch scoops and, and all the amps and gear to, to run big sound. Mm -hmm. Um, But I've had people like Jawise Tipper Tone has been a big part of my event. He's an original downtown, Kingston veteran who My people father's really know. friend. Yeah, exactly.
0: In fact, Tipper was once based at the jazz art at Rose Lane. Okay. So he used to play there regularly. Yeah. So I, I, I know him from when I was a young boy. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Um, Tony Screw, which is downbeat, who who is kind of like, I don't know how you would characterize this type of sound, but a lot of sound systems would be this way where, you know, you originally had Sir Coxon's downbeat. And then the sound kind of went dormant. And yeah. then there, here comes somebody who's a huge fan of the sound and, and he gets anointed. Yeah, yeah. But no yeah. more than just taking yeah, the name. Yeah. yeah. You he was like in. you are Coxon Go said downbeat. Yeah. You, yeah. you can run with the name. Yeah. You take it from here. Yeah. Um, because none of the family apparently wanted to do it. So, I mean, and I don't know what the connection of Lloydie Coxon is to, to, to actual Cox mm-hmm. and Dodd. If the, if there ever was one, um, you know, probably somebody would cuss me if they heard me, even say that I don't know what the history is, <laughs> but I know it confuses a lot of people because yeah. Lloydie Coxon has not been a, a connected to my knowledge with studio one in any recent era, but that's his name. Cause that's mm. a, that's, it's a great name. Yeah. It's like cache. But anyway, so yeah, downbeat the ruler has been a part of it. Um, from Jamaica, I've had, I've had Jack Scorpio a couple times play and I've had King Jammies one time. And, um, most of it, the core of it, is people I know who are in the, the Brooklyn vintage vinyl reggae uh, DJ scene, of which there are a ton of selectors who, who love this music and are, are, are in it enough to, to have record collections. Yeah, including some females. Oh, yeah, uh, someone, Gee, I, I,
0: I, I went there. Uh, there was a, a,
2: a good female selector. Yeah. Yeah, there, yeah. There's a, there, and some young people too. Oh yeah, you got to have that. Yeah, you cannot. Yeah. You can't. This is my fight. Is that all the the, the veterans? Veterans cuss me for not letting them like play longer, play more, and I could just completely have this event dominated by people who are over sixty, um, and it would eventually it would pull it into the ground because the audience would look like that too. Um, I I value their their experience mm-hmm. and their authenticity, but I really want to have you know a DJ like like mishap like Salam Samuel like Grace of Spades like Queen Majesty like Maddie Ruthless Ayana Heaven um, I may you know am probably forgetting people uh, uh, African Violet Roots to play alongside those those veterans. It's about continuity. It's about continuity because they go. They bring their records. They watch. They absorb. They learn. Like, how does the how does a veteran organize their set? How do they select? And what's the, what are the songs that are like the real hits? Mm-hmm. You know, we know we know when you have the luxury of being able to listen to anything you want to listen to, you kind of form your taste around maybe some pretty deep obscure stuff. But you play that out in a in front of a crowd full of people, it it might flop. Yeah. So uh, you really need to see. Yeah. Like, what are those tunes that really resonate? And then you learn how to organize your set and, and speak the language, the common language of the community, which is, which is a language that changes over time as well. But it's really, that's part of the knowledge of, of a DJ and a sound system selector. Um, but yeah, Regan the boardwalk man, I'm so, I'm so humbled by, by, by what that's become because we talked about these various things that I've done in my, you know, in my career around this music. That one blows them all away because of how meaningful it is to people.
0: Yeah, I saw a couple of artists there. Larry McDonnell. Oh yeah, he always- All, kind, all you know, kind of celebrities. You, you hardly see- Long time,
2: it. who I've not seen in a long time. If Johnny Osborne, who happens to be my neighbor, if he's in New York, mm-hmm. he, he will always come to that event. He loves it. And, uh, you know, and here and there, I'll have him be featured you know, on the mic. Like last year I had him with Downbeat. I brought him in to, to be on Downbeat set. But I don't expect him to come to do anything other than enjoy the music. Yeah. Sister Carol, um Ja Life, one of the great veteran producers of of the New York City scene, you know, uh producer of like Barrington Levy, Murderer and Black Roses. He's for years, he's been a participant and he's also come to the event. Um, now that I work for VP he's not is not real happy with me, but he's still <laughs> I still respect the respect him to the max and people like that sister carol um yeah and then people who passed through you know the very first time we did the event back in 2010 the very first day um 90 the observer was there along with clive chin and my friend fidel luna twice who, who used to work at bp records he brought he brought those guys and i was just like wow from day one we got people who are creators of this music are here. And I knew that there was something. You know, and over the years, I can't even mention all the, the artists like Luciano has passed through, Bless the Mic, um, Willie Williams and Al Campbell, um, Sassafras comes to mind. Um, you know, there, there are a, a lot of them, veterans and younger artists as well. And I think that will continue. That's good the of, organic nature yeah, of it. Good has. event.
0: You, you, you mentioned Johnny Osborne and I'm here reflecting to say that Johnny Osborne is one of the most underrated figures in our music and has contributed so much to the music without him even saying it himself or others kind of echoing it to say, hey, this dude has significantly impacted on the music at various times. Started out in the, in the reggae rocksteady reggae period, yep. Was a was a shining light of early dancehall because a lot of people don't realize that dancehall music started with singers. Yes, Sugar Minott, mm-hmm. Johnny Osborne, and of course Barrington Levy. Yeah, well, and and all respect Tristan to- Palmer. All of these guys were the early dancehall stars prior to Elephant, but prior to. Yellow man coming Pirate on. The, scene. Man, the yeah. only the only DJ at that early dance hall period it was Michigan and Smiley.
2: Yeah, there you go. No, 100 percent truth on that. And 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 again, like that, the the relevance of Studio One in that process of what defining what a dance hall artist is. Yeah, an artist who would go to the dance, learn those 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 evergreen. Studio One rhythms, rhythms. that Jackie Mattoo helped built, and Bob Andy helped write, and then like flipping new lyrics onto them, and that being your performance style, this is like if if the if the real rock rhythm goes down, you better well have some original lyrics to it if you're going to be a real dance hall yes, artist. yes if it's a full up yeah same thing yeah uh, look at look at look at
0: yeah. uh, an amazing rhythm like the two, two, two of the most amazing rhythms come to mind Everless. Mm-hmm and Hot Milk. Mm-hmm, mm. Evenless was a scare song, mm-hmm. and it has survived yeah. rock steady, reggae, dancehall, mm-hmm. and and whatever we do it now, which mm-hmm. I'm going to talk about later.
2: Hmm.
0: You know, the, the Hot Milk, people know it as the murderer. Which
2: I just called out yeah. for my
0: life, yeah. Yeah, but but before, but, but it's, it's a rock steady song. Translated into reggae dancehall and continues until now. When Shabranz go on it with 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 minopet minopoda, I don't remember the title of the song, but it, it, it's so it's so amazing that we continue we, we create stuff and we continue to recreate and repeat in a in a kind of repetitive way. But every time it 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 is repeated. To a new generation. It, it it is manifested in a different way, but it, it, it resonates mm-hmm. because of the the the, the, the fundamental richness
2: of of, of of the rhythm. I I love it, I think it's fascinating. I, I call those transformative adaptations when they're at their best. You know, they they're based on they're rooted in one thing. And it's transformed into another thing. I was just thinking the other day a lot about. Um, I'm gonna use that phrase. I'm just telling you, it's co- it's copyrighted. So <laughs> I'll get I'll get my royalty. Okay. <laughs>
0: um,
2: yeah, but that's that's what it is when it's at it at its best. And I think that that I was just thinking the other day because I was trying to tell the the story of why Bob Andy is relevant. And I was I was going from feeling soul, you know, which is basically rock steady into early reggae. And then the rhythm is remade. You had kind of a new stage of it with Bob Andy Fire Burning, and then you had Marcia oh. Griffiths Fire Burning, and then you have now you have bands and Love Me Browning. Nobody thinks about the feeling soul when they hear Love Me Browning. Maybe a real uh, sound system person because yeah. they, they recognize there's this, this this little element in there. But that is a transformative adaptation yeah. of, an, of an original. It's part of the 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 ethos of Jamaican. Music creation—it's a little bit more of a different. It's like a more, you know, without over intellectualizing it. It's like there's this more communal um, approach mm-hmm. to what can be reused and what's fair game creatively. Yeah, it's because because it, some of this stuff, if it was done in in the states it get called out as being like too derivative of you're just yeah. rip, you're just yeah. ripping off so and so. It's like, no, yeah. that's the way yeah. we make music here. So
0: conceptually I I I call it communality. Yeah. So that's part of my theoretical framework as an academic mm-hmm. where I talk about the creative echo chamber. And the three yeah. pillars of the of the creative echo chamber is repetition, communality, and geospatiality. And communality you just explain. What I, I describe as communality, where it's a shared kind of kind of kind of memory, mm-hmm. and and the repetition creates this regenerate regenerative type of ethos that that makes it relevant and pe- and the young people can identify identify because as 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 Vic Reed and Carolyn Cooper talk about the noises in the blood, you know you you. You, you like it and you love it, and it sounds familiar, but you're not sure where it's coming from. What is as 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 I say is the noises in the blood, continuing that 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 I that use, kind
2: of. I use the phrase. I use the phrase about Bob Marley or Bob Marley, Bob Andy and Jackie mm-hmm. Matsu that the that those compositions are in the musical DNA of reggae, because it's it's in the it's in the, the whether the you blood. call it the blood or yeah. the DNA or whatever, <laughs> the whatever, whatever you whatever yeah. you whatever you're using it's yeah. it's there. So what happens when 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 that ecosystem is disrupted by the insertion of a lot of media from YouTube and and different sources, whether where the sound system maybe is somewhat displaced from from the, where it used to be, and now this young generation is taking a lot of their their music learning is coming from. Yeah, yeah. So
0: I I talk about it in this way, and that's one of the problems why we're talking about the. The, 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 the deficit in creativity and technical skills that was the hallmark of, of reggae music. There is, a, there is a, a school of thought that started with one person in engineering. It started with a, a bunch of persons in, in production and songwriting and vocal presentation that has continued through a process of this communality where you pass it on and the apprenticeship that that, that that continues. Dennis Brown got influence in his stylings and phrasing by Alton Ellis and took even that famous, look at you, mm-hmm. straight from Alton Ellis. But Dennis Brown became the template after a while. He was a standard bearer for vocals oh, in really. Jamaica. So the Barry Salmons, the Richie Stevens. The Michael Rose, everybody, yeah, everybody started out. Frankie Paul, Earl, everybody, Earl 16, Earl 16 every, Thompson, everybody, everybody started to, out. Yeah. So that template continued. So the phrasing and then the additional uh, of, of some of these artists, so everybody continued. In sound engineering, it started with, with, with Graham Goodall and, and, and Sylvan Morris. Sylvan Morris, and of course, I can't leave out Coxon's cousin. remember him right now as an engineer those guys were they they, they, uh, were the persons who created that aesthetic of mixing and frequency separation and all of that which used to be passed down because sylvan morris went on to dynamics and and grew build a a, a set of people the same engineer i'm talking about went to channel one and so everybody you know, created mm-hmm. this 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 although not codified mm-hmm. but it was passed on. Yeah. What the technology has done is to even fragment that system and and, and, and I wouldn't say disrupt. It displaces the system. Mm-hmm. So there's this there's not this transfer trans transfer. Mm-hmm. So like even like a ballby got the the experience from people like Stephen Stanley Mm -hmm. and all of these guys. And because of the, 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 two things happened. They they began to have a system of silos where a production house that is very successful, close off, don't want anybody else to get involved. So we know some of these small producers who did everything and engineered and do the programming that was an entity so they don't want anybody coming there so nobody not learn anything from here and after a while the artists themselves also started to to not pass on their information not bring a crew to support that crew because these artists want supporters once and we've seen it where you, you have these crews but the head of the crew once an artist is getting serious and getting attention, there's a falling out. So there's a, just a disruption and ideas and stuff, st- stop flow. So these young people who want to come into the business, well, guess what they do? They're not getting into the studios, because everybody at them private studio you can't get into them space. So they go to the technology, they go to YouTube, they go to Instagram, and they learn how to record. They learn how to use Pro Tools and, and, and Fruity Loops. It's called yeah. another name now, yeah. and so that knowledge that was being transferred in terms of drumming style for musicians, in terms of how you strum the guitar, or you, or you EQ a particular sound, yeah. or you add echo to a drum, a drum, a, a snare, or, or or you the kind of mic you use for 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 mm-hmm. a, a kick drum, yeah. and then when it comes to technology, the way you you manipulate Pro Tools. And and all of this, all of this is disrupted. Yeah, and this is why we have a situation where the the, we're complaining about the quality because that, that 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 distinctive Jamaican sound architecture, that distinctive Jamaican creative process, it disrupted, and so it. It's like sticking mud on the wall. Some stick, and most of it won't stick. Mm-hmm. And, and 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 unfortunately, some of the same persons who are responsible for the state of affairs are now calling for things to go back.
2: Mm-hmm. And
0: I always say, mm-hmm. it never goes back.
2: It's like Pandora's box. You it never goes back. Go back. You can't go back.
0: No. So what we have to do is rebuild a new system, mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. you know? Well, I'm glad. I'm glad there are still people around like Clive Hunt who are building music the way that that they always have, and, and able to achieve a sound like that. I mean, I think I'm not trying to plug. We remember Bob Andy anymore, but I think that I think Dean Frazier got an incredible production sound on that album, and he usually does. Um, so it still can be done, and it still is done. But I'm not sure that. I'm not sure what young people are really interested in learning that at this point in time because it doesn't sound like the it's it's not gonna like having Clive Hunt as a mentor is not gonna give you a trap dance all hit. It, or it it wouldn't by appearances. Yeah.
0: But wouldn't it be coming together and merging the two styles mm-hmm. to some to create something even
2: I mean, I think that would be genius. Better that would be, and that's what what I'm that, saying. That we need to have that bridge, and that's where that's the way forward to where, where a new sound, a new cutting edge sound, can have a global relevance. All right, so let's go
0: back now to our final segment. Now, mm-hmm. where I want to talk about, for me, the music has changed from dancehall, classic dancehall, from a musical uh, composition standpoint, from from about two thousand. Mm-hmm. And what we are labelling dancehall has shifted in the last twenty years to different forms of music. Mm-hmm. I, I usually say that from the two thousand, we were in a fusion period where everything was being mixed up. You know, Murder She Wrote was was Indian bangra yeah. drums. Uh, the the songs like House call was R&B and hip-hop-flavored.
2: The hip-hop, and, the hip-hop yeah. influence started to push that along. in the, Absolutely. In the, before 2000. Yeah. yeah, there you go.
0: Yeah, certainly. And so then the younger producers like uh, Steve McGregor mm-hmm. started to create a different sound yeah. and, and people like the Seka, But we were still calling it Dancehall. Yeah. And therein lies the problem mm-hmm. because we should have started to to identify it as a new song and find some other label from a a perspective of marketing and from a a, a perspective of differentiating the different styles. Because right now, a lot of artists don't know what to call themselves.
1: They're
0: not dancehall because they don't see themselves as a dancehall artist. Then this label of trap dancehall is problematic for some people. Mm -hmm. I don't have a problem with it because I have been talking about the music, needing a new name mm-hmm. from as far back as 2010 mm-hmm. and even before that. Mm-hmm. And I labeled that new music, one beat, mm-hmm. slide on bar, have tried. He kind of tried when he was fusing Latin music into his thing. He called it Latrenge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. But that, and did, so,
2: that didn't really catch. Yeah.
0: yeah no, it, it never catch. But the point is, we, we needed to have... Decided on something. I would still need to decide on something.
2: Yeah, so, I, what's your
0: take on this whole uh, situation? It's so,
2: it's so I have so many different minds about it, just because it's like, well, what is the essence of the thing? The sound, style, genre that you apply this word to. Where is the where is the barrier of when it is and isn't? It's like it's there are different characteristics that help you understand what it is. And you, you, you broke down very, very accurately, like characteristics of the origins of dance hall, when you were talking about artists like Sugar Minded and Johnny Osborne being at the genesis of it. But as long as I think that, that the commonality, the biggest part of the, the diagram, music that's played in the dance, has to be a consi- something that's considered, and that encompasses so many things that don't sound alike, so they're not easily recognizable as an identifiable genre. Like reggae is pretty easy to articulate what it is, but maybe because it had such a delineated transitional point when the when the sound changed in, in, sl- in the ting, period. Mm-hmm. Not that there was no reggae after that, but the kind of the classic era ended. So it had the you know you can you can talk about the the, the rhythmic emphasis and, and get, you can zero in on what the essence of classic reggae is doesn't stop people from calling dance hall reggae, Reggae. but when it comes to dance hall, dance hall seems to have some different aspects of its definition that are important. If you want to look at it just in terms of rhythm, and when you when that when that rhythmic identity is no longer there if you want to say that that's no longer dance hall, then you're taking one position but if you want to say you know based on what you just described you know vibes cartel would be would start to get outside of of dance hall. but yeah. vibes cartel was the most relevant artist of his generation and and definitely a, you know he was just he was of course he was the king of the dance hall in every in every kind of way and well all the way up until and beyond when he was imprisoned so i don't think dance hall i don't think dance hall ended or 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 it, it was it was it's always evolving these things are like a river you know yeah. And we're just trying to talk about how do you apply a word and say this is or this isn't. Yeah. It's, it can be really maddening. But, so, so but, it's, impo- but it's important yeah. because you're talking about when you're talking about marketing the thing international or like giving it a name that people can understand and their expectations yeah. are met. Yeah. But, but the, 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 you said something and, and,
0: and I think that's a problematic. Not what you said, but the, 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 the situation. No music has ever died, and all uh, and and we have this notion this linear notion that when we had this transition from one music and the other one died, not at no period in our history, it didn't die. Everything was being, at when when Scare started, our mm-hmm. b music was still being made. When Rocksteady started, yeah, Scare so. songs were still made, and, right. it, and 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 during the at some point, everything was being made at the same time, yeah. So, RB scare and rocksteady was being made. Mm-hmm. By the time reggae came about, we stopped doing R&B, but we but we transitioned that sound into Jamaican soul music. Yeah, and people don't people forget that we have continually produced what we can consider R&B or soul music.
2: Yeah, which, which 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 I love. I love Jamaican. And so when when right.
0: we say that there's a new sound, mm-hmm. that don't mean that all
2: in its true form don't exist anymore. Yeah. But there's a new sound that we need to capture. So when the thing, the thing that really happens though, is the, the canon or the core body of work of the, of the, of a genre is established through like a time period. And there's this volume of work that defines it. And that kind of informs your headspace about what it is. And then time moves on. Now it's, if the seventies was the, the, golden era of reggae when the largest part of the canon was defined, that doesn't mean that Sizzla didn't make a lot of important reggae music, way outside of that era. Yeah. Like long yeah. after Thank you. long after that. Black
0: Woman and child, Yeah, Dry Cry, all of these yeah. great reggae songs. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. I, 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 and that is that is that is is crucial for us to understand because we we the 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 j- Jamaica, that's what that's why the concept of the creative echo chamber mm-hmm. is so poignant from my perspective. Yeah. Because everything is happening same time. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. And so
0: it's, it's not this linear progression that we sometimes, because it's so so you know complicated, mm-hmm. our minds want to simplify it by taking it in this linear stage by yeah, stage yeah. kind of things because it's easier to explain it. It is in that but,
2: way. Cause it'll hurt, it'll hurt your brain. Otherwise <laughs> like, like you know? right now it's starting to hurt my brain. Cause <laughs> every time I get into this conversation, yeah. I like to, I, I can't, it's my personality that I'll always be the devil's advocate. Mm-hmm. So if somebody is going to try and tell me what the thing is, yeah. I can always point out like why the definition that they're applying doesn't quite work. Yeah. It's just the way my brain is. Yeah. And and I think that I think that when it comes to what is or what isn't a certain genre of music, it it, it will there it will be always be vulnerable to a lot of questions mm-hmm. because I think these things are porous, I think they have blurry borders, and you know, you just that's scenario in, in
0: genre classification. But
2: it's but genre <laughs> classification is also key to marketing because when you're trying to make somebody from yeah. Who doesn't understand you want to try and make something understandable yeah. in the simplest way Absolutely. possible. Meet their expectations. Because because if, if people have a people
0: have of communities have a consensus as to what they consider a genre. Yeah. And if I consider jazz a particular style of musical composition. Yeah. If I if I play play dark 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 room, uh dark. Like when you're dark, room, dark which, room, which what are you say, that when uh, you man, me alone in the dark room. If I play that song and and tell some South Africans who are jazz enthusiasts that that is jazz, they're going to reject it. Right. And the point is, we are hearing some sounds that comes out of Jamaica, and they are mus, there are certain musical I, I i it have a musical ID mm-hmm. or a DNA that. Doesn't suggest that it is reggae or dancehall. If a Martian came down and and was listening to the music and probably extracted from chat GTP information, right. yeah. and then you say to them, "Oh, this particular song is a dancehall song," it wouldn't compute mm-hmm. because based on the 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 the, the, the information. That is there in terms of the musical composition yeah. of what a reggae song or what a dancehall yeah. song. It, it it would it would work, you know. I say you can't market jazz as country; it won't sell. Have you asked Chat GPT what dancehall is? <laughs> no, not yet. <laughs> See? And, and I find that most of the most because most of the, inter, the internet information as as to our culture is erroneous. Mm-hmm. And uh, and very stereotypical yep. and and from a from a, a Western arrogant a kind of old school ethnomusicological perspective mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. where you're being othered
2: mm-hmm.
0: Most of it is bullshit. Right.
2: So you yeah. know. <laughs> so Chat GPT is probably <laughs> we would probably give you something back that was informed by a lot of that a lot yeah. of that skewed information, <laughs> undoubtedly. Yeah. I mean it's it's uh it's an interesting world we're working in and living in and listening in. And um, I'm glad there are people who are, who are thinking about it the way you are from this point of this, uh, this great institution. So
0: you have the last word, my friend. Give thanks for being on the show. We, we, we definitely appreciated your presence. And you can always come back.
2: I would love to. I really enjoyed. I really enjoyed the reasoning. Iron sharp with iron. If anyone wants to get a hold of me, I'm at Carter Van Pelt or at Coney Allen Reggae on Instagram, and I'm on Facebook with the same, you know, real name. Um, and you know, I uh, hopefully, hopefully, we've made people think. Definitely. Give thanks. All right. Give thanks, Dennis. Yeah. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed that episode. Please
0: subscribe to the show and give us a five star review and even drop us a comment if something really stood
1: out to you.